How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. On the first day of the week, we met to break bread together. Paul spoke to the people until midnight because he was leaving the next morning in the upstairs room where we are where we were meeting, there were lots of oil lamps. A young man by the name of Eutychus. Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill. While Paul was speaking, the young man got very sleepy. Finally, he went to sleep and fell three floors all the way down to the ground. When they picked him up, he was dead. Paul went down and bent over Eutychus. He took him in his arms and said, Don't worry, he's alive. After Paul had gone back upstairs, he broke bread and ate with us. He then spoke until dawn and left. Then the followers took the young man home alive and were very happy. Lord Jesus, thank you for Walter. Fill him with your Holy Spirit now. May the words that he brings to us challenge us and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I love those questions and those responses, and hopefully you'll see um, how well they fit in with what I'm going to say, because I had no idea of those questions and answers. Um, So I I really believe the Lord's been helping us. So if you remember that passage about a young man called Eutychus who fell asleep during a sermon, and he fell out of a window, and the minute I read that, it brought back to my memory growing up in um, the German Lutheran Church in South Africa. And the pews that they had in the church, in the main part of the church, were a lot like the pews that are in this Lutheran church, rows and rows of them. But the pews were designed probably by the original German settlers. The building was designed. And I think the the pews were designed with this particular design in mind. They had a kind of back that was... Um, flat for the top part of your back, then it was recessed. So there was like a step in the middle of it so that any adult would find it very comfortable to sit on that pew. But anyone who was really short or a child would find that that ridge went right into your back. And it was incredibly uncomfortable. And I suspect that those original Germans did that on purpose so that young people would not fall asleep in the middle of a sermon And, you know, that church had a youth group, which met once a month on a Friday. But sadly, as I grew up in that church, I discovered that as children got into secondary school age, they started to disappear. So friends of mine suddenly didn't come to church on a Sunday anymore. And I think that that is kind of a pattern that carried on over the years. And it's probably a pattern that has really affected the church throughout the Western world. I don't know so much about Africa as a whole, but children simply leaving church as they get older. And um, young Eutychus from our Bible reading certainly dropped out of church, all right? (laughs) We can probably blame gravity and a certain lack of health and safety measures for that, all right, but he dropped out of church. But why is it that young people get disillusioned with church and sometimes never return? 
So I did a bit of research, and I've got five, five points that came up over and over again. Some research says that young people drop out because of a lack of challenge. Contrary to popular thinking, young people today want it easy. Young people in a study who were going to church and who liked going to church said that they loved their churches because their churches inspired them to act. Many church leaders think that young people want it to be cushy and easy, whereas actually young people respond to and they run towards a challenge. And, you know, I think each one of those responses that we, we read earlier on backed the, all these, these um, questions up. Secondly, some research says that young people's personal experience of Christianity is shallow, and so they are easily pulled to attractions outside of church. And, you know, if you think about it, it's fairly natural. You know, children go to school through the week. They make friends. They get invited to things. They go to parties on a Saturday evening, which makes it harder to come to church on a Sunday morning. Perhaps they don't have the same friends at school that they have in church. Okay, so in other words, church ends up looking a little bit boring. The minute you get a boyfriend or girlfriend in the picture then, you know, things change as well. Thirdly, some research says that young people feel judged by adults in the church for mistakes that they've made. I think that really came out in those answers as well. Perhaps it's a young person's guilty conscience that's making them feel afraid of coming. But still, if they were feeling completely accepted and welcome in a church, perhaps they would continue to come. Fourthly, and I'm sorry to say this for anyone who works with youth and young people, most of what you say goes straight over their heads. Of course, none of our young people, our young people listen to absolutely everything that is said all the time. But in my experience, an adult droning on simply goes shooting over their heads. But the moment an adult demonstrates what they are saying, then the young people sit up and listen. When adults genuinely act to care for young people in a church, and when they're genuinely listening to them, or they're doing something in a loving way, in a practical way for somebody else, young people notice that. It's noteworthy and that in all this research, hardly any young people leave a church because it's not entertaining enough, because the hymns are too old-fashioned, because it's, you know, it's not trendy enough. Most people leave for all these other reasons. And finally, the overriding research says that the young people drop out of church because their relationships with other young people and with adults is very shallow, because they're not very strong, those relationships. And also because they have no responsibilities in the church that connect them with other people. Isn't that interesting? You know, perhaps we need to shift our priorities. There's been this expectation from adults, I think, through the years that, you know, children go to Sunday school and they learn the Bible, and that's what they're there for, you know, to build up their faith and become discipled. 
And I completely agree with that. You know, we've got a responsibility to teach the Bible faithfully to children. But this shows that that's just one part of a whole variety of things that we should be doing. Um, Sorry to do this, Ethan, but when Ethan was younger, about half the size that he is now, I remember one Sunday morning he said to me, I don't really want to go to church today. And you know, I thought, okay, all right. And so I probed a bit, and finally he said to me, I've got nobody that I can be friends with at church. And so I said to him, look, Ethan, if you don't come today, somebody else might be visiting who is also looking for a friend. And when they don't find a friend there, they probably won't want to stay. And so thankfully, Ethan was challenged to keep coming every Sunday. And it was after only a short while that other children started to come. And, you know, another thing that I did furthermore was to try and hang out with people that Ethan liked, with other children, with other adults, that would speak into his life on top of what I was trying to tell him because he took that in. You know, children sometimes think that adult, their parents are a bit stupid, you know, as they're growing up. <laughs> and... Uh, but when other adults are confirming what they're saying, they, they notice it, you know. But young people are looking for meaningful relationships. So let's return to our passage about our young man, Eutychus, in uh, chapter 20, verse 9. I'm just going to read uh, the next verse. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking... Eutychus was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Here we have Eutychus, which, by the way, rather meaningfully, means lucky or fortunate one. And in the Greek, a young man could, as Debbie rightly pointed out, could have been anything from about the the age of seven upwards. Um, Eutychus was quite a common name for a slave, So it is quite likely that he was a slave and had come from a full day of work. That being the first day of the week, you might remember it says. Um, Back then, they were already meeting on a Sunday. The the church was meeting on a Sunday, all right? But it was still a working day. Um, Now, combine all that together in your imagination. Young Eutychus, he's eager to see the Apostle Paul. He comes along. Um, the room is perhaps packed with up to about 50 people. And he finds a place to sit. Not the, pr- not the prime position. The room is filled with smoky oil lamps. It's hot in there. He's done a full, day's, a full day of work. And then Paul is droning on all the way until midnight. What do you think he does? He falls asleep. Probably other people fell asleep as well. And then we read in verse 10, but Paul went down and fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled, for he is still alive. When Paul had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. Wow. I think if somebody fell from that balcony in the main part of the church while a visiting evangelist, a prominent visiting evangelist or someone was speaking, 
We would be so dismayed, wouldn't, wouldn't we, if somebody fell and died. We would be utterly shocked and wonder how on earth could such a bad thing happen on such a good and positive occasion. But God was going to use this terrible event as an incredible um, object lesson. As we, as we read, Paul embraced Eutychus, and as he did so, he must have been so filled with faith. Perhaps he was filled with that gift of faith from the Holy Spirit that he knew without a shadow of a doubt that his life was still in him. He said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Can we all say that together? One, two, three. Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Paul went back upstairs, breaking bread with the other believers, and he continued that meeting until daybreak, and then it said he departed from there. And finally, at some point, we're not told the exact timing, whether it was before Paul left or after he left. It says that Eutychus is taken away alive, and they were greatly comforted. I think that's not an understatement. They must have been incredibly comforted. Now, how encouraged do you think that church in Troas must have been to see such a powerful miracle, which possibly backed up everything that Paul had been saying that night, everything about Jesus and resurrection life and living in the kingdom of God? What an incredible example. But also, you know, to see a young man who was probably that night before was so eager to see the Apostle Paul. He came running into, into this upper room. You know, he didn't get the prime position. He was squeezed onto a windowsill. And then he fell to his death. But Paul stopped the meeting. He went downstairs and he embraced him like an equal. And he raised him back to life. What, did you, what do you think that demonstrated about the incredible love of God for young people and even those kinds of people who are not that significant in the church. Finally, let's go back to the start of the chapter for a minute because there's something there as well that's very easy to miss. Um, in Acts um, chapter 20, verse 1, it speaks about Paul leaving um, Ephesus and when he had encouraged them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. And then he went to Macedonia, and he encouraged everybody in that region. The same word uh, for encouraged is exhorted. Exhorted. What does exhort mean? It's to admonish, make urgent appeals, advise. And then he arrived in Troas, and he was there for five days. And this was the final night. And it was quite likely that Paul would never return to that area again. And he admonished them, and he was encouraging them. And, you know, that story about Eutychus being raised from the dead is so powerful that we can often lose sight of this incredible example that Paul was to the church, constantly working to encourage and exhort. And that's what our young people need too. They need to be encouraged. They need to be noticed. They need to be challenged and exhorted and befriended and loved. In the same way that Jesus noticed children, the same way that Jesus noticed the lowly and the shy, that's what we need to do to our young people. Not just those children who are articulate and can stand at the front confidently and have got grade four on a trumpet and drums or whatever, right? 
Any of you young parents despairing about your children sometimes? Or your friends' children? Maybe some adults look at these children and they think, oh my gosh, they just make such a racket. All right? Perhaps you wonder if there's any spiritual life in them. What about some of you adults who've got nephews and nieces or grandchildren? And you think about them and you wonder if there's any spiritual life in them. They don't seem to remember anything that's said on a Sunday. You know, I confess I had some thoughts like that a long time ago. I wondered sometimes if, about Ethan and about other young people. But I was wrong. Because over and over again, I've seen young people raised to spiritual life. Amen. And we see it in our church. It's wonderful. So, you know, if you've got any of those kinds of doubts, let's ask the Lord to fill us with faith like Paul. Do not trouble yourself, for life is in them. Can we all say that? Do not trouble yourself, for life is in them. Let's say it to each other. Let's say it to our parents. Do not trouble yourselves, for life is in them. And children, I wonder if you could say this to the adults around you. Do not trouble yourself, for life is in me. Some of you older, ad- older adults, could you, I mean younger adults, could you help them? Do not trouble yourselves, for life is in me. Amen. Amen. Well said. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. That's it.